before before we blast into something else, anybody else want to throw anything in there? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah on that, on the rule 62 thing, uh, there, there's a there's one thing that says that the, the state should have the law that gives life, the letter of the law that kills. In the beginning, all the groups had their own rules, and when they had a rule that wasn't working, they made another rule to compensate for it. And what Dr. Bob said is, let's, let's, let's keep this thing simple, let's not take ourselves too seriously. And what I have to remember is that when, when somebody else is using the traditions of blood in the group, or they're using something to hurt somebody else, uh, without being, just because, you know, we're our homes. We can make sign, we can make sign of agreement like Mother Teresa. And, uh, when I apply that Rule 62, I have to remember that the first person whom it needs to be applied is me. But in trying to help something, to do something, I just can't take myself to seriously. And then it goes on from there. Yeah, good deal. Right, thank you very much. Yeah. What are the three legacies? The what's what? You talk about the three legacies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, well, the three things. One's recovery, you know, the steps. That's the program of recovery. And uh, so legacy recovery, that's fundamental to the whole thing. Unity is essentially embodied in the traditions, and that's about how we work together, how we work in unison, how we have unity. And then the third is the one we talked about this morning, is service. Yeah. So that, that's the legacies. And, and the, uh, that's a package deal. You know, if I don't have good recovery, I'm going to do lousy service. You know, so it's a package deal. Uh, so, yeah, a good question. We assume everybody knows that they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Best I understand, traditions were the product of our experience. You know, and, and so as, as the founders were sort of putting things together and dealing with the mistakes and all of the kind of stuff, traditions were formed to, uh, to, to establish the unity, the cooperative kind of environment. That steps of personal unity is how we get along with the world around us. You know, I, th- I think a lot of it came, really came into fruition, started to have impact in, uh, when, when in '55, you know, when when uh, Bob was gone, but Bill at the International in St. Louis introduced the traditions had been introduced. They were introduced a, a, you know, a little earlier, but they weren't really implemented much. And uh, and then in '55, when in, in effect, Bill turned the fellowship over to the membership uh, with the design of the General Service Conference. With the, the, with the notion, his, his, his vision was that the home group would become the driving force in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that the traditions would be the framework for assuring how this works together. And so that's where that, that legacy thing came in. That's where the, the triangle and this kind of thing really, really got, got identified, you know, got really be a landmark for what we were about. And, and so traditions were vital to that whole idea of, of uh, how we would function as a fellowship. And uh, you know, Bill was, Bill was a, a little optimistic about that. He was an optimist anyway, but 
he was a little optimistic about how well we would do. We were talking about this a little bit earlier in the, in the session about, about how well we would do because that's a marvelous concept, you know, that this idea that grassroots will drive the process. But just like we were talking about the other day, it, it's, it's the, the concept simply has not achieved fruition, meaning that, that when, we, when we meet, you know, rather than having a group conscience, we wind up with a minority opinion because it's predicated, this whole idea was built on the fact that home groups would be like we had a little publication called Home Group Heartbeat of AA. And the whole idea was that the home group would be the driving force in Alcoholics Anonymous. It would, it would, it would dictate what we would do, and the conference would be simply trying to pull that all together and, and package it. Well, it's a great plan, and, but just, I mean, it's like I mentioned the other day, I know y'all all wrote this down, that what, what we see is a travesty compared to what Bill envisioned, that when we meet to it, to, to gather the group conscience, where the, 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 the feelings and ideas and beliefs of the, the home group are expressed and carried forth for decision-making, 23% representation in the United States. Now, I'm sure Canada's better, <laughs> but... <laughs> But that's what it is in the United States. Yeah. People have been asking your opinion and your ideas, and we've been asking you questions and your thoughts on things for three days now. Is it fair to say, then, that what you've been sharing with us is a representation of your group? That what, the way I'm dealing with it is a representation? Yeah. I have no idea. I, I, I probably am not in sync with an awful lot of people. And uh, yeah, I'm not a revolutionary or anything like that, but I'm an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I am not a spectator. You know, I am a participant. And uh, it's not always true. You know, you know, an awful lot of people quit functioning in AA just because they're old. You know, <laughs> I don't. You know, I'm still wide open. So I don't know, and I, I really don't. I try not to get into to controversial things where there's a real polarization. You know, I try not to get in, into the, too much of that. And I just simply share, share what, I, what I honestly believe. is it's just like what we're talking about now. I have trouble to find out that we do have 23% representation in expressing the group conscience. I've shared that, I've shared that at the area level. And... Uh, considerably at the area level. Shared it with our delegate in an open session just, just recently. And, and, and she's a marvelous girl. Marvelous girl. Great delegate. And she said, I sure wish that wasn't true, but it surely is. Because I was inviting some dispute of that. You know, for God's sakes, I'd love to hear somebody say, you're wrong, it's 40. I'd be the happiest guy in North Carolina. But nobody argues with it. And so it's, we haven't voted on it, but it's just the feet do the voting. When you got 23% of people showing up, you don't have to worry about it, you know, whether it's, that's the expression. And uh, it's very troubling, you know, it, it, when, you know what, because what, rather than dealing with a group conscience, we're dealing with a minority opinion. That's what it is, you know, a minority opinion that's guiding and directing what we do in our college anonymous. That's troubling to me. It, 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 uh, but, Right here, then we'll go right here. Just right on, that's a continuum. 
that now um, from the time now this this percentage, 22 percent, had you on previous years? Was there a, a specific time that you could say okay, there, there, there started to become a change around this time or of that nature? Like before it was 40 percent, before it was 70 percent, now it's 23, or it's always been somewhat around the 22 percent. From my experience, it's never been earth-shaking, but, but it has been better. It has been better. I got into general service work in 1960, the first time I served as a DCM. We were a smaller, simpler deal. Our area committee for the entire state consisted of 20 people. So we had uh, excellent representation. Nobody ever missed a meeting because you couldn't hide. I mean, it's pretty obvious you're not there. And so it looked better. You, you, but it was a much smaller kind of a deal and a much more accountable kind of a deal. And over the years, we'll get there, and over the years, it, it, it has just exploded into a whole bunch of different kind of stuff. You know, that back then we were a much closer, more intimate kind of deal. We pulled together. There was a lot more unity and a lot more familiarity. For example, the... Uh, We'll get there in a minute. Don't you forget. <laughs> I won't. Don't you forget. <laughs> we'll uh, give you an example of what that looks like in real life. And I mentioned earlier about you know, how we've had an explosion of meetings developing all over the country, and that's true. I mean, my God, we got we got more meetings than you can possibly imagine. Back in the days when, when, when I was really getting active in service and all this kind of thing, if a, if a new group started somewhere, it was, it was a heartwarming thing to exhibit, to, uh, to observe, because what would happen is that every group in the, in the area would join in, you know, and they'd come in to be supportive of that thing, real tight kind of a connection. Today, we barely know each other. You know, we barely know each other. You know, it's uh, like, I, I won't divert too much on this, but you know, my wife's from Saskatchewan. I, first time I ever understood the the the, the, uh, the culture of a of a prairie wheat farmer was uh, when I watched what happened with my with my father-in-law. Uh, they built their home. They felled the timber and they kept they, they, they insulated with prairie sod, you know, and all that. And the uh, next door neighbor was three miles away, and those two men loved each other dearly. Yeah, one of them was my father. My father-in-law was just a little small guy. You know, a good fellow from Scotland, and his neighbor was a guy named Jake Niber, huge guy, big old, big old mountain of a man. And they were intimate friends, and I didn't understand why. But then, when I looked at that culture a little bit, these people literally depended on each other. I mean, they depended. If somebody's horse was sick, the other guy would bring his horse. <laughs> Excuse me. In that culture, if you don't get your crops in and you let that snow get them, you're done for that year. And so it bred something in the culture that was tremendously important. And, and, and so I, I use that analogy because it's very much like AA was then. Because we were people, you know, I, I, I had the experience of starting Alcoholics Anonymous in a town. I know what it feels like to be the guy standing there holding the flag, hoping somebody will show up. And it was more in that mode. Today we've got groups everywhere. You know, there's almost every corner got a group or a meeting or something. <coughs> so it was a big, big difference. 
So back then, I don't think it's a fair comparison, but of course you had a, a, a larger representation. There was no hiding place, you know. And so you either showed up or said, we're John. You got that. So it was different, but the whole culture was different, I, I, I think is the point. It, but it, it was never as bad as 23%, to, to my knowledge. Yeah. So I, I think it was. But it was a changing world that we're in. Yeah, good. But thanks for asking about that. Yeah. Yeah, my question is of your, of your reference, um, the 23%, I'm, I'm not sure what number you thought, but that's 23% of home group membership or? Of registered groups. Of registered groups. Like in my state, it means that 23% of the groups that are registered in North Carolina show up to express the group conscience. Yeah. And so you, you see what the trouble is. you got 77% ignoring. Yeah. I hate to use a bad reference, but it's like the political world. You know, that we get, good God, we get ridiculous numbers to, to, to elect national leadership. But we don't need to, to smirk at it because ours is just as bad. And so it is. It's a troubling thing to me. It's troubling in terms of Bill's vision that this would be a fellowship driven by the grassroots. But it can't be driven by the grassroots if the grassroots stays home. Yeah, so we have to engage in that kind of a thing. So, yeah, yeah, thanks for asking about it, so we can clarify it a little. Yeah. Uh, Tom, uh, what about the notion of an oversaturation? I think I explained uh, uh, the, the problem of uh, why, why there's this minority phenomenon uh, uh, within uh, a well-defined organization. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, I've experienced here, uh, just being known recently, uh, returning to the fellowship, where we're we're calling out to other groups to come in to support us because we're having difficulty even maintaining uh, our proper uh, accounting uh, just to keep the doors open. And so we're, we're making appeals to other groups who are also struggling with their membership uh, and fellowship. Uh, well, the thing is, our, our structure should bridge that gap, but only if we participate in it. Yes, you know, the whole design is that the group should come together and the group consciousness is a collective wisdom. So that, that, that's, a great, that's a great concept. But when you only have 23% showing up, you know, you don't have a, you've got a minority opinion being expressed, yeah. So it, it, that's, that's ideally is what it would be. That, you know, it's like at four tradition, groups are autonomous except in matters affecting other groups. And so it, it, it's sort of a warning to us not to let one group forge ahead and impact on others and all this kind of stuff. It's cooperation that we need to have. And, and, and we, we have really cut down on those things where we gather you know, as a larger community. We cut down. Big city like this, you don't have to go anywhere. You've got a big crowd with you. But if you're in the prairies of Saskatchewan, you need a neighbor. You know, <laughs> you're bad. You know, because they're far, few and far between. So I don't, it's, a, it's a different world. One second. Never be right here. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah I, I think uh, when you look at the percentage you're talking about, I mean, you can look right down the whole structure of AA and you go sit in an AA meeting and how many, how big of a percent of people at the end of that meeting pick up a chair or do any of that? And when you go to an AA function, how many 
percentage of the people actually do the work when it's done or send it up for it. So you're, you're probably looking at the same thing, and, and I think that's pretty well worldwide when it comes to anything. I, I mean, I sat through a lecture of a fellow that, that talked about uh, service work throughout the whole community of the whole world, and, and they and it wasn't just for AA, but yeah. for the whole thing. And then the numbers were almost identical to what yeah. you're talking about yeah. on people that actually volunteer in this world. So mm -hmm. you're, you're looking at that's about the best you're going to get. Well, most people are not suffering from a fatal condition. You know, you know, we don't do it because we're nice people. You know, we do it because we need to. And, and so it's, uh, I understand what you're talking about. It's not, it's, it's not exceptional to us. But we need to be exceptional, and, and, and we're dealing with some. I can tell you that, and this, this gets back to that thing we talked about on leadership, of the people I sponsor, 100% are involved. You know, you know, if I'm in sight, well, that's part of it. You know, part of my job is to enlist them in. But people are not going to just automatically just, just jump in and do stuff. You know, you get interested, sit back, fat-mouthing, you know, and, and so we're good at that. So I know exactly what you talk about, but I think that's where those of us that, that have been here for a little while have a responsibility to help people understand that. You know, for example, when when uh, when when I when I get a, a new person, in all honesty, the first thing I give them is not a big book. First thing I'm more apt to give them is a coffee pot, or a broom, <laughs> or a table. Because what I find is that sense of belonging that's connected with being part of a team is vitally important. And so I don't want him to be brilliant. I want him to be busy. I want him to get in there so he feels like he's part of something. You know. So that's what I'll do with him. And we'll get down to cases, get down to program. But first, I want him to, to know that he's in the right place and he's got a place. He's useful. Because I do that. And that's my way of getting folks down. And I like to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why did Bill Wilson have such a hard time promoting the general He did a good job promoting. I just think we didn't have receptive customers or something. He he, got, he was introducing a whole brand new idea, and I don't know. I wasn't there, but uh, I, was, I was waiting in the wings, and. Uh, but it was this whole thing was new to people, the whole deal. And in '55, I came in in '57, and this whole idea of the structure of AA that was still in the infancy stage. And and so, I think Bill was, had a tremendous, tremendous challenge in trying to get that vision out, and got it out. You know that he he literally was asked to not speak about traditions as as he went around to different places in the country. People would ask him. Tell your story. Don't tell about those traditions, you know. And uh, so it was, a, it was a hard sell, you know, for, for him to try to get this deal. But most people are thinking provincially about the U.S., about me and here in my little corner in the basement. You know, hard to get people out of that thing, you know, and to see that, that thing. Of, I don't know, but, uh, but, but that's what it looked like. He had a hard time getting people to listen and think about something more than themselves. Is I think what it really came down to. Yeah. Hard sell. Did somebody else? Yeah. Or, or somebody else? No, no. That's, yeah. Oh, that, sorry. Yeah, this fellow right here. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just going to ask that. Uh, 
when you talked about the last time that I was here, when you were here in 04, that when you talked about the difference between a vote and a group conscience, and just you kind of grazed upon that here in the last couple of questions. Can you just give a very, very brief uh, experience of that, please, the difference between a group conscience and a vote, please? Now, not a very, very not brief. brief. Not a very, very brief. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, I, I went over that the other day a, 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 a bit with the, uh, and I gave the example about the thing of reimbursing speakers, you know, for this kind of thing. That, and it's the same thing with, with the group conscience, you know, and, you know, I gave that example that I don't expect older members to remember all this stuff. Yeah, I, young members remember it. Now. <laughs> but the, uh, I, I gave the example, and, and, it, and it really gets to that whole business about representation and all that, that that we were going over the, the pre-conference report in my home group in the business meeting, and that I was watching that and thinking about Bill's vision, you know, and, 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 and so I said to the group that when we finished our report, I said, you know, if, if, if old Bill could see what we're doing tonight, he'd smile, because that's exactly what he envisioned, was that the, the group conscience would take a concern or consideration and then really give it the test of, of, of thorough discussion at the home group level. And, and, and then would move that forward. Yeah. And so that was his whole idea with this, this, this deal of the General Service Conference and how the, the home group would be the driving force. But it's hard to be a driving force if you're not there. Yeah. And so when you got 77% staying home, you got a very weak kind of a deal. Yeah. And, and so that, that's the thing that's troubling to me and, uh, with, with, with that whole idea that, uh, and, and group conscious is, is nothing more than the, it's the, what I like to do is, is pull something out for group conscious that really tests our principles that we really need to prayerfully consider, not just a quick vote. But more than that, it's got to be a thorough kind of examination of what is the right thing to do. You know, not most popular, but what's the right thing to do. And that, that's what the group conscience is about. It's just getting down to that, to what we honestly believe is the right thing to do. And uh, so to me, that's, that's an awfully important kind of a distinction that, that between just doing business and getting down to what our real business is. Yeah. But thanks, Al. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to comment that uh, when, when I first got involved in service, uh, my sponsor at the level of, of uh, DCM, GSR, and up the ladder had never been involved in that. So uh, he suggested I go and ask somebody that was in that kind of service to be my sponsor, which I said was a service sponsor. And uh, one of the greatest things that he gave to me that helped me, I said, well, I said, will you be my service sponsor? And he says, yeah, I'll do that. And then after that, I said, well, as a new guy does, right? What do I do now? Right? And the first thing he said was, go away, get the book called Language of the Heart, and read the book Language of the Heart. Because a lot of the stuff we're talking about here, like it was the greatest thing you tell me. Like I found out how all these traditions came together and how they were developed and <coughs> very valuable resources, the book Language of the Heart. You bet. Yeah, thank you. It really is. That, uh Language of the heart is nothing more than a collection of articles Bill wrote long ago. That's all it is. It's not a new publication. It's the old thing, but it's really, I use it a lot. I use it a lot. Thank you for that. And by the way, yeah, now I'm somebody who does not do service sponsorship. 
you know, I like a package deal. You know, I like I, I like to have the, all, all the legacies met. And so, if people ask me about being a service partner, no, 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 I wouldn't want to do that. You know, what I want to do is is, is, is we get to take the whole deal. You know, if you get too stratified in one area, you know, I, I want to be concerned about the entire fellowship and not just you know one one particular area. That's just my own bias about that thing. By the way, uh, yeah, right here. You talk about getting through hard times in recovery. I did. You did. I did. I that part. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the. That's because of a hard time in recovery. <laughs> It'll make you shut out stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not the only thing. The only thing I said that. Uh, yeah, there's two things I just I mentioned that I, I run into a lot. You know, as as a general rule, when somebody I'm not sponsoring is talking to me about a problem, my response is not automatic, but but it's almost always fits. You're working on the wrong patient. You're working on the wrong patient. If somebody's, if somebody's talking to me about a problem they got with somebody, it's not the somebody, it's themselves. And, and so, you know, that, that thing of being in tune, practicing the principle and all that kind of stuff. And the other illustration I gave was about getting through that crisis time of just survival, you know, of making sure that I don't drink. And that, that what it boiled down to me was two things. One was to, when I get it, and I've had it, not for a long time, but I've had it where I absolutely was overwhelmed with the obsession to drink. And what I did was two things. And I don't know, nobody taught me. I just learned it by necessity. It was, one is to pray and the other is to hang on. And, and I've gotten through every one of them, you know. So, but I think that's what it comes down to. There's, there's, there's no neat trick for doing it. It's just a matter of sometimes you just got to grit your teeth and, and pull on through. And uh, the, the antidote to it to me is just staying really, really engaged in the program. So it's a way of life and not just something I attend, you know. It's, um, it's, uh, that, that's for me is what, what works a great deal. Yes, somebody, somebody over here. Yeah. Yeah, just to back, back up the six, I have better understanding of that peripheral consideration. Because I know how it works in our business meetings. We call a vote, and that's pretty simple. There's hands up, yes, hands up, no. When you're uh, uh, bringing a group conscience in the way you describe it as peripheral consideration, would you bring up an issue that needs to be decided on and have everyone go home for, for a week or, or Sometimes so. Sometimes we do. Have experience <clears throat> careful consideration mm-hmm. and then bring it back. Mm-hmm. Is that the yeah. process? Yeah, we'll often do that. Or is it decided in that <clears throat> meeting where you may all pray together yeah. and then come up with a, with a conscience? What's the, the process? Yeah, we'll, we'll often say, give this some thought. Right. And then we'll do a group conscience. We, 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 we don't confuse group conscience and business meeting. They're right. two totally different worlds. Would there be a, a long time frame in between where you bring it up and let's have a group conscience? And not too much. Side? Not too much. A couple of weeks at most. Yeah, but you basically just want each individual to have an opportunity to think it through. So we're not just doing a pop quiz, you know, and some sort of spontaneous thing. So it wouldn't yeah. have it all in that same meeting. There would be a mm-hmm. gap of time where, where people would take yeah. a moment. Sure. And an opportunity to examine tradition, like the one I use of reimbursing speakers for the expense. And uh, that, that, that got, got into traditions about self-support and that kind of thing. And, and, and uh, the, the solution that the ad hoc committee came up with and recommended, I didn't agree with, but I didn't vote against it. So it would not have been my suggestion, but it was a pretty darn good suggestion. And, and so I think that's what happened with prayerful consideration. People will come up with things. 
but but giving thought to it and not just some spontaneous reaction to it. You know. right. And uh, that to, that to me is what's critically important about it. And, and a differentiating that we really do trivialize the term group conscious a lot by calling that a business. A business being a group conscious. And that's not. That's just survival stuff. That's stuff you do to operationally to, to, to have the group run. You take care of coffee, stuff like that. But when you get into a real issue that principles matter a great deal, you know, that's awfully important to me to have a differentiation between... I, I've heard that a lot where members will say, well, we need to have a group conscious on this, and I don't think a lot of them know what they're talking yeah. about when, when they say that, because yeah. it's usually there's a there's a five-minute discussion, and then there's a vote, and pretty much everybody in that room thinks yeah. that we've just had a group conscious, and I, for one, yeah. would be one of those up yeah. until this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, we often trivialize it. We sure do. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the actual term is informed group conscience. Yeah. And, and Good point. Good point. Yeah, and that's what that time thing can do is give people time to get informed. That's a yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, sorry, but we've been missing that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a couple of things that um, come to mind. Um, one of them, I'm a GSR for District 42, and um, when I, it was new to me when I started, but one of the things my sponsor did very early, he says, um, you know, if you want to stay sober, you do what sober people do, which is pick up ashtrays, chairs, and, you know, he said that coffee, and, you know, that whole thing, and so I learned that. And um, anyway, when I got, became a GSR, um, it was all moving me learned quite a bit of things. Now, we were having... Uh, a separation from another district and um, somebody and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, one of the things that came up is that there was uh, the amount of GSRs in our district was a small number, you know, compared to the number of groups. But then we found out by doing some research is that there was a lot of meetings, but they weren't groups. And um, and some meetings didn't know that they weren't a group. Right? They just they, they just naive. They didn't know any different, and uh, they felt that when they registered um, you know, in our in our uh, Vancouver area, that they become a group. But that's not the case. You have to register with New York as a group, and uh, so we did. We were able to get our PCM to go to some of these meetings and tell them the difference between a group and a meeting. And just uh, this Saturday, unfortunately, well, here. Uh, we set up a workshop that was a service in AA, shows what a GSR is, a DCM, and, you know, we tried to promote it, sort of like a little pop-up yeah. lunch. And, uh, you, the one problem with, with that, we've got the most loosely defined uh, expression of what a group is, that it, it could not be more general. You know, two or more people gathered for purposeful recovery may solve themselves as a group provided they have no other affiliation. And there really is no criteria, you know, that if, if, if people call it a group, that's what it is. And, and you know, and the, I'm a strong group guy, but in terms of trying to define it, you know, that, that it's an arbitrary kind of thing. I do a lot of workshops on home groups and this kind of thing. And, and I always use that thing of trying to differentiate the two. But it's time I differentiation. You know, the, the best definition I ever heard of a group <laughs> is two or more people, one of whom needn't be present. <laughs> that's, a, that's an enigmatic kind of definition, but it really is what it is. It's the sense of belonging. Yeah, it's, it's a belonging. 
you know, like my wife and our group. She's not here, but but she's still my wife. You know that, and that's the same thing with the group. When you got a meeting, you got a casual collection, and in a group where you got some committed relationships. So, but there is no definition for it. You know, and when we make up one, it's ours because <laughs> it's not supported in the in the literature, not supported in traditions. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, but you know that I feel strongly about it. That, that, but as far as a clear delineation, there, there is none. Yeah. No, we just ought to make it up. Yeah, just one second. We've got Joe right here. Just one minute. Uh, yeah. Well, it's off topic of the group, but I just uh, out of interest. Have you ever met Bill W.? I did. And how did you relate to your Well, I already loved him, but when I met him, the primary reason I went to the, my first international in 65 was to meet Bill. I didn't want to tell him anything. I just want to make sure he was there, you know. <laughs> that's, that's, and that really was it. I just wanted to be there. And so as he was there, he was like the Energizer Bunny. He was all over the place and everywhere. You see him a lot. But I know you won't believe this. We had a traditions meeting. And we had a skinny crowd. <laughs> and I was one of the crowd. So I had a chance to meet him. Now, we didn't become fishing buddies at, at all, you know. But I, my mission was accomplished. I met Bill. Had a chance to say hi there. We chatted for two minutes, and then it was, it was gone. My, my mission was accomplished. And I, I had believed that might be my last opportunity. It turned out it was, because the next one in Miami, he had he, he died immediately after, and I couldn't get to Miami. And so I was right. You know, I followed the instincts that that, uh, that helped me a lot over the years. So, yeah, I did meet Bill, and but that man was truly a visionary. He really was. To me, I mean, he, he just absolutely was able to describe this, this, this movement, this energy, uh, second to none. I, I loved him dearly. Yeah. There are a lot of, a lot of people, I swear to God, they, they must be bored or something, but you got a lot of muckrakers that are trying to dig up stuff and, and verify scandals and stuff that, uh, for what, for God's sakes? For what? I mean, he was a human being. And uh, I, was, I was in a state just south of here recently, and there was a, a guy there that I loved dearly. And uh, it, he, he wanted to, to get together. He's quite ill, you know, quite ill. He wanted, wanted me to stop by and see him, so I went by. Went in, and here's a guy that's, that's at the end of his, of his rope, pretty close. And uh, I went in, and, and, and he was telling me about what he's doing, and he started telling me some stuff that wasn't making a lot of sense. And he had a big old book there, and, I, and he, he said, take a look at that book. Have you ever seen that? And I, I, big old thing. It looked like a, one of those coffee table books. You know? Picked it up, and I said, what is it? You know, and he, so he started telling me some goofy, off-the-wall stuff about some notion of Bill doing this or that. And uh, now I'm looking at a guy that's terminal. And I'm a kind-hearted person. But I thought about that. He was complaining and bitching because nobody would come to see him. He had to get a guy from North Carolina to come see him. And so I'm listening to that, and I'm thinking, do I just act like I don't hear anything and just walk off into the sunset? I said, no, let's don't do that. So I told him, I said, I said, I said, my friend, let me suggest something to you. You're not reading a book. You're doing an investigation. For what? I mean, come on, man. Good God. You don't need that thing at this point. Now, what you're doing is driving people away. Who wants to come in here and romance something like that? And so you no wonder nobody's coming to see you. 
you're not going to. You know, you know, and so it's just it's, it's sad. <coughs> you know, people get off into that kind of junk. You know, instead of trying to find out, you know, what the what was the values of a guy that introduced a fellowship to the world, and you're gonna throw some little piece of something. You're a good God. Come <coughs> give me a break. And so, anyway, it, it's just, just unfortunate when you see that kind of stuff going on. He was a human being. Yeah. Guy in the corner. Yeah. yeah, I just, uh, wanted to say that, uh, you know, instead of giving me a speech, I don't know, you know, like uh, Bob Dylan said, you know, uh, Thank you for that. By golly, I really appreciate that. You got, let, let me lay this out and we'll come back because of, yeah, I know that the president's going to call the time on me. You want to do a quick one? And, yeah. What's the difference between a group inventory and a group conference? Well, I mean, you know, a group conscience is sort of looking for the spiritual solution, is looking for what the principles are. It's going... Group inventory is evaluating how you're doing what you said you were going to do. You know, so that it says you're evaluating a plan. Our group inventory is simple. We, we laid out those 20 things we did in that starting that. That's how we evaluate a group, how we're doing on that. So it's basically like a merchant would. You know, if he wants to know what his inventory is, he counts his cans. If he wants to know what his customers are, he values his, he evaluates his principal. So a big difference, you know, and, that, and that, that's really what it comes to me. The uh, the assignment. Let me tell you the assignment, and obviously it's, it's, I'm not going to check on you see if you're doing it. I can tell next time I'm here whether you smile or not. When uh, if you're somebody that wants more than you've got, if you're somebody that wants to see, feel that you're carrying out your primary purpose, if you're somebody that would like to see alcoholics have a better chance at recovery. Then the homework assignment might 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 be worthwhile. I mentioned now. Don't walk out. You're gonna get me. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> what what uh, what it is is this. You know, you know, I was telling that little deal the other day about the detox and the lady over the behavioral unit and the fact that nobody knew what happened to the alcoholics who hit the wall. We have alcoholics hitting the wall every day, everywhere, within walking distance of where we are, and I guarantee you alcoholics will hit the wall today. It just is a universal thing. What, what, what I would suggest, if you really want to do something about that, and then you don't, you don't have a plan of action, go back to your neighborhood, you know, in Vancouver, I'm talking about all of night Vancouver, Go to a place where you live, where you're part of a community, where you really have concern about the health and welfare of folk in that community. And identify a place where alcoholics hit the wall. And that can be anything. You know, that can be, you know, we hit the wall in a lot of different ways. Broken marriages with welfare stuff, social services, with ministers. You know, they, it's amazing, you know, how many places alcoholics hit the wall and where they go. And you know that a, a hospital, a detox course, a triage nurse, places where alcoholics go when they are absolutely up against it. And when you identify that, evaluate it and see what you think ought to happen. 
if there's nothing happening, if they're hitting the wall and lost and don't know what to do, think about what ought to happen. The, the, take the example of the, that I used about when I was talking to that gal that was over the behavioral stuff, and, and neither she nor I knew what happened to alcoholics who couldn't get admitted. So what we laid out was a plan where we would provide simply provide phone numbers, and if you have to send somebody out in the cold, tell them they can get some help by calling one of these numbers. Simple plan, eh? Simple plan. Simple to us, not to somebody running a hospital. They don't have a clue how to do it. And you try to call it in the phone book, try it when you get home. Take a look at the phone book. See what's listed under the A column. My God, man, you can phone call to the moon looking at some of that stuff. And so just a clear little thing like that. The, uh, to identify the problem, think about what needs to be done. And then try to implement it. Try to implement it. The last three 12-step calls I had, I only had three last year. I used to have three a day, and I only had three last year. All three of them came from ministers. All three. Because that's where alcoholics go when they don't have any money. <laughs> they go to God, he doesn't want anybody. <laughs> that's where they come from. And it's as simple as that. Eh? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to start a movement or any kind of thing like that or organize committees. Just just take it on. You know, and, and go somewhere where to hit the wall, and we've got that going everywhere. And then lay out something there that here's what you can do with that. Most people don't know. You know, it's been a long time. Go to employers who are having to fire folks and don't know what to do with them. You know, treatment is becoming less, I don't know about Canada, but it's certainly becoming less available in, in my country. And, and so, you know, that, that would be the thing, only thing I would suggest because just feeling good and that we've talked about some stuff that has some worth and value has to me. I hope it has to you. But, but what does it mean unless you take some action on it? And so, how to make it come alive? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about, is to do this thing. And that, that would be the homework. And next time I hear you, you can give me a report on, uh, on what happened. Yeah? Yeah, Tom, uh, thanks again uh, for, for inspiration here. In your 53 years, you've heard what variety of needs and variety of needs. I would love to hear what in these 53 years about that point where you were thrown back in your chair in awe and were in, uh, as a result of a situation or something you've seen that just you knew God was working in his rooms. Uh, something where it went down or up? Up, huh? Up. Uh, something that really was exhilarating. Yeah, that was just, you, you knew God was working in his rooms and it was, it was just a beautiful thing. Been a ton. There's been a ton. Not so much moving wide. I don't have that kind of oversight. But, 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 I'll just give you an example of just some things that uh, many years ago I, I was working with a bunch of guys in prison, and uh, I was really, really exasperated at the seeming futility of the work because it looked like nobody was catching on. Nobody was really becoming a member. And I, I took ten guys, ten guys. And said, let's build a group. And the ten guys, we went to work and built a group. And we wound up calling it the Triangle Group, Recovery, Service, and Unity. It happened to be located at a place called the Triangle in there, but it was the Triangle that put it together, Recovery, Service, Unity. I watched that group develop three different groups within the group. One, a recovery group, a newcomer deal. 
one, a unity group, which was a, 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 a speaker meeting where somebody came in. We had unity with people outside. The other was service. When they developed the service group, I didn't get to go to it because it was it was a closed meeting conducted by inmates only, inmate AA members, no coffee, no brownie points, no nothing. And I, all ten of those, and that's been 45 years ago, all ten of those men are Ill, either sober today or died sober. Yeah, that's, why is that exhilarating? Because it proved to me that this, this intensive work where we really get into to the nitty-gritty of this program doesn't miss. It absolutely works. It will just take the time to get in and do it. And, and so that, that's just one that's had great meaning. Watching what happened during the Big Book Workshop and seeing something that produces absolute results, it proves to me there's nothing broken in AA. It's a matter of us just not hitting the ball and not moving forward. So I've had many, many mountaintop experiences that, uh, that are exhilarating. The president said, Thank you very much. We don't have to go I home, but we can't, can't stay here. Carry on. I've got to run. So just like to thank everybody for letting me participate. I've been able to participate in that. All right. Always disturbing when the captain deserts the ship. <laughs> 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 Who's the vice president? You got it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I thought we. Yeah. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Let's go. Let's keep going. All right. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's your thoughts on uh, roundups and uh, conventions, Tom? Love them. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. That. Uh, what was, I tell you, it was enormously important to me, and I'm glad to see you guys here, particularly if you're relatively new to the program. You know, when I came into A, I was, I was a pretty isolated guy. And uh, you know, when, when I hit North Carolina, conventions were absolutely essential to me because it expanded my family, and I got to know people. I, I tell you, it's kind of a, a funny thing happened. Drunks are, are really slick. They, and I just got out of jail. And I'm, I'm, I don't have any money. You know, I mean, I, I'm as poor as a church rat. And, uh, and we're getting a group going. And the minister of the church came by one night and he said, can you stop by the office for a minute And and before you go home? And I said, yeah, sure. And, he, and I said, you working late? He said, well, yeah, I'm just hanging around. So I went up by and he said, funny, funny sneaky drunks. Yeah. He said, I'm pretty naive. He said, the A members in this area, are, uh, they're having a convention in Durham, and they would like for you to go there as their delegate. And, uh, well, I didn't know anything about it. I thought, well, God, we're going to vote on you know, the coronation or something. I, I didn't know what we were going to do. And so I, I said, okay. And he said, now, they, will, they, they will pay your expense at you. And I said, well, I'll be glad to do it. So I go down to the convention. And even as naive as I was, it didn't take too long. Said I've been had. We voting on nothing, man. I mean, this is a party. I, this was good time, whoopee, and all that. And I said, those suckers have sandbagged me just big time. I went back. I got that minister, and I said, uh, I said, look here. <laughs> I said, that's not the way this thing works. I got snookered, 
And I said, you're going to have to give that money back to whoever you got it. He said, that's the problem with anonymity. I don't know who it was. <laughs> so, but as I got to my first convention, yeah. But what a wonderful thing to start seeing the world grow and seeing that. At that time, at that convention, I knew nobody. Five years later, I'm at the International in, in Toronto where I went to see Bill. I didn't know ten people. I was in San Antonio a couple of three weeks ago, whatever. I swear to God, I think I knew just about everybody there. It's a marvelous thing. So it's, it, it's, it's the thing of the growth in the fellowship and watching it grow up around you. you know, to me, that's what's important. It's, it's not the assimilating dialogue and all that stuff. That's okay. But that thing of being part of a family. <laughs> where there's hardly a place on this planet that I can go and not know somebody. What a wonderful feeling. Wonderful feeling. And that doesn't happen by just sitting home and, and waiting. It's about getting out and being part of the action. You know. So man, that's, it's a, they've been tremendously important to me. And I, I love them. Did you got your hand up? Yeah. What's your experience with uh, participation and cooperation with Al-Anon? With Al-Anon? I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Let me, let me just tell you, good news, bad news with me. I believe alcoholism is a family illness. I rarely hear that said now unless I say it. You rarely hear that in alcoholism now. You used to hear it nearly all the time. And I think it is a family illness. I think the family suffers. I mentioned the other day. I think sometimes the family suffers more than we do because they have to explain behavior they don't understand. And so I, I, I'm a great believer in, in the vital nature of it. I also believe that while we're not affiliated, there's a close dependency relationship between us. Right now, with, with, without question, Al-Anon is, is experiencing a huge decline. They're, they're really getting into, into, not trouble, but they're just losing their membership. They're really going down. I frankly think a lot of it is the product of what we've been talking about with these little one-dimensional meetings. You know, you think about what the average one-dimensional meeting looks like. Where does the family get in? How does the family get involved? It can't. It can't. And so I think we, what we've done is effectively started to, 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 to minimize that vital nature of that relationship. I, I, think I think it's awfully vital. You know, my wife told me a while back, somebody asked her, said, how on earth do you put up with your husband traveling so much? And she said, if it wasn't for Al and I, we probably wouldn't have lasted three years. She's probably right. Yeah. So I think it's a vital thing. And, and, and so what we're experiencing now, is, I, honest to God, I think we have basically shut family out. Nobody planned it. Nobody drew up a plan for it. But as we have developed, we have just effectively closed out the family in much of the country. And so I'm a, I'll give you a specific example. I, I spoke at a convention a while back. <coughs> um, I, I, well, it was Florida. I, I mean, it's no real dark secret. It's Florida. It was a huge conference. There were 38, it really struck me, there were 3,800 members in attendance, alcoholics. 3,800. Now listen to the numbers. There were 240-something Alanons. There were 23 or 4 Alateens. Does that sound like a family illness and a family program? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. That it's a, you know that I think there's that I think there's reason for concern in that. I have concern about it. We have a strong Al-Anon group in, in, in where I'm where, where the same place we meet, and they're not part of us, but they doggone well are part of the the, uh, the fellowship and that thing. So I, I think it's awfully important kind of a thing that families so often we have an extremely high divorce rate in recovery, high divorce rate. And I think some of it has to do with that thing of you know, ships in the night type stuff. So it, it's 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 kind of a live nerve with me with with that kind of thing. I got I tell you that I, I've never understood this. I don't know if I ever will. We we alcoholics will tend to be about as emotional and and maudling about how much we care about our kids. As, 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 not unusual at all. See somebody talk, talking about kids and just 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 tear up. You know, it, it's a very Sore point. I'll never understand if you go to a conference and see the Alateens trying to have a meeting. We ignore them like the plague. We ignore them like the plague. You see some kid in there trying to suck up the nerve to just get up and speak. I've had them literally, literally say, would you please come in and listen to, to us? That, you know, We've <laughs> got to have somebody to talk to. And uh, that same conference I'm talking about, <laughs> an hour my gal came up to me and she said, let me tell you what my daughter said. <laughs> I was in the altitude meeting. And she said, let me tell you what my daughter said. Then she called her and said, you know who was in our meeting? <laughs> she said, no, who said? Tom I was right in our meeting. <laughs> well, my God, that's a no-brainer. But when you're a 16-year-old kid or a 14-year-old kid trying to speak to somebody and you can't even get anybody to listen to you, come on, man. Yeah. Where's all that compassion? Yeah. So I, I think we really have, have gotten pretty sloppy about that kind of a thing. And it's just we're not paying attention to it is what it looks to me like. So do you have concerns about that? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It really worked. I tell you, I'm speaking Tuesday night in, in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Some doctor that I don't know called and asked me if I'd come up there and speak Tuesday night. And uh, my son had uh, had talked with him. He talked to my son about getting me to do that. My son grew up in a you know, not as a member, but he grew up. He went through Alateen, and he understands the program. And uh, I thought, this is really something. Two docs trapping me, you know. <laughs> but it came from that family deal, you know. This guy said, "You, your dad, the one that I think I know," and he said, "Yeah." And so that's that's what happened. But if the family's not in on that, you're not going. You know, all he says, "Duh," you know. 
And so, but they grew up in it, and uh, it has great influence on them. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up. I think it's vital. Yeah, back in the corner. Just quickly on that Elmon Tom, in 2013, the Elmon World Convention will be in Vancouver. Really? All right. Shoot, I might bring my wife up here. You never know. She, she, she's a rich Saskatchewan farm girl, so she can, she can afford it. Yeah. Say what? Oh, the first one. How about that? Way to go. Couldn't get our international, so you get the Alanon international. Right? Go for it. You got it. Well, listen, guys, we have, we have, we have, we have beat her hard, and I have thoroughly enjoyed being with you. It's just been an absolute treat. And, uh, you're a good bunch. You know, there's some wayward souls here, but we'll get them. We'll get them, man. We're going to capture them. I gotcha. So thanks a million. Great to be here.